So, welcome back, folks. This is a first side story for Splinters of a Broken Sun. This is called In Gov's Service. We're going to take a look at the other side of the coin, as it were. For this purpose, I have gathered together some of my oldest and dearest friends and roped them into a, uh, a role-playing session to do some podcasting with me. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, one other difference, other than the cast, is that we are using a different system. We're going to be using Dungeon World by Sage Latora and Adam Coble. I have made up some custom playbooks to fit the setting a little bit better. Dungeon World is powered by the Apocalypse, meaning that it's based on the Apocalypse system by D. Vincent Baker. Uh, with all that out of the way, I would like to go through here and introduce the players. Let's go from the bottom of the list up to the top, based on our Discord names here. Hi, yeah. I'm Trudy. Hi, Trudy. Uh, <laughs> that's everything then. Okay. Perfect. Hey, my name is Pat. You might remember me from a previous side story that Matt did, um, making fun of the Gundam series. I've already forgotten the name of it, but it was a lot of fun to ruin it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rocklords Rock. That's not you. <laughs> you should still follow at Rock, at Rocklords Rock. He's a good guy. He is. he is a good guy. Yeah, definite good guy. Um, hi, my name's Dustin. I've never done this before, but I'm pleased as punch to be here. Cool. Uh, anything any of you want to plug, or are you all set the way you are? You already got Rock Lords Rock out of the way. I, so I, I, I just want. I just wanted to. I just wanted to plug uh, Matt Marshall's Twitter. <laughs> He's he is <laughs> awesome. Yeah, good fella. Okay, with that taken care of, we are going to do a little bit of an intro as to what's going on in this game. And I've written something down so that I don't have to remember it. All right. The church has convened a hunt for the five heretics who escaped the failed purge of Town 3-7, along with any other adults who should rightly have been purged. Track down Keva Jarma, Emrin Pack, Maeve Sentis, Deg Danchobaset, and Zonin Chan. Capture them and bring them back to the church in Sector 1. Bring to justice any heretics who aid or shield them. If you find Lean Sosimo, bring her in as well. Do this, and your debt to Gov this cycle shall be greatly eased. That's our little blurb for In Gov's service. So these three are going to be playing, uh, I want to say, elite agents of the church. Theor theoretically, they're the elite, elite agents. agents yep. me. The, the story says they're elite agents of the church. <laughs> Pat, Pat, are you, are you an auditor? Is that what your character is? Because that's terrifying. He's not an auditor. Okay. All right. Well, now I'm not scared oh. of you. So. Yeah. So these. Holy uh, for me. <laughs> I, I put together four playbooks oh, uh, for three characters for three people to play, knowing that some of them wouldn't get picked. So why don't we start going around and we will tell people a little bit about our playbooks. Just tell us what the playbook is called. The little blurb about what it is. And uh, a little bit about your character in terms of their personality and their name, I guess. So let's start this time with the Seeker. Okay, so uh, my character is the Seeker. His name is Quanjoy O'Hady. Here is the blurb. You are Gov Seeker, their eyes and ears in the world of debtors. You are a veteran scout from the Evangelical Order, chosen for your keen senses more than your devotion to Gov, though you may be truly devout. You track the quarry and keep the hunt alive outside the comfort of Gov's domain. So Quanjoy himself is just a little bit on the retired side, and he's kind of 
a crazy survivalist who just hangs out with his ram named Ramulus. He's not especially <laughs> smart or clever. Uh, he is wise, but he's not especially smart or clever. But he has this general trustworthiness about him that makes people seem to want to open up to him and tell him the truth more than others. He's got a lot of common sense, but not a lot of book smarts, I guess. Right. Yeah, no sharp wit, but a lot of common sense. All right, awesome. The uh, Stallone of the group. <laughs> speaking of Stallones, tell me a bit about the sword. The sword. Um, my character is Zora uh, Jackson. Uh, she's going to be the sword. The blurb is, you are of sword, a veteran soldier of the cavalry or infantry in the evangelical order. You were chosen for your skill at arms and experience more than your piety, though you may be very pious indeed. You lead the charge and scatter Gov's enemies, wielding your signature weapon and strength to clear obstacles from your hunt's path. So Zora's really dedicated to her job. Um, she is totally bought into the evangelical order. Uh, at the same time, uh, she is merciful. She does believe that everyone can be redeemed and see the light. And that's basically how she lives her life when, when dealing with other people. Unsurprisingly, uh, as a fighter type character, uh, she's pretty strong, uh, but also pretty charismatic. Cool. Um, tell me a bit about her signature weapon. One second while I remember what that was. <laughs> it's a uh, big sword from Soul Calibur. Yeah. The one so... with the eyeball. Yeah, the one with the eyeball. Oh, Soul Edge itself. <laughs> yeah, the big sword. Okay. I think I it's called Soul Edge, because that's what the original games were called, Soul Edge, and then they switched to Soul Calibur. Samurai Showdown? <laughs> Get a load of this guy. Wow. Uh, today, in things that I should have remembered, her signature weapon is a sword. Oh. <laughs> so, nothing sure. particularly weird or phenomenal. All right. Uh, so, in this uh, system, the signature weapon I borrowed pretty much verbatim from the fighter playbook. Uh, so, you get to pick a type of weapon and you, you get some special bonuses on it. Uh, for being the fighter, in this case, for being the sword. So your sword is like, it would be something people would see it in the world and they would know it. And they would know who you are based on that sword. So they would see that and they'd be like, oh, that's the sword of Gov. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's how these things are, are supposed to go. It's the same deal with the Seeker. They would see you with your ram and they'd be like, oh, that's the Seeker. And they would be duly impressed. Uh, like uh, these... You're not, in, in base dungeon world, like there's only one person called the ranger. There's only one person called the wizard, only one person called the fighter. That's not the case here. There are other seekers, other other swords, and so on. But you are, like, people would recognize you as that archetype of person. Okay. Uh, and speaking of archetypes, tell me about the stalwart. Oh, my character is the stalwart of the group. His name is Squall Lee. He is known affectionately uh, and derisively as Old Warty. Let's talk about what the stalwart is. He's a notary or clerk who has trained in the field and welds the full authority of uh, the chutch. <laughs> who have devoted <laughs> he has devoted his life entirely to gov and cannot allow even the smallest heresy to go unnoticed or unpunished. Bits and accounts by hearts, and has inscribed the words of gov on his body and armor. As a reward, gov has granted him the gift of fire, the right path, and ensures the piety of all he meets. These tools of Gov are imperfect, but he is not. His face, his his face, his faith must be enough to cover for their lapses. Uh, really, all that you need to know is I chose as this character's likeness Eddie Murphy from the movie Holy Man. Excellent. 
And that, I mean, really, that sums it up. It, it's Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> dress up like a woman at one point and, you know, dress up like a white guy, probably dress up like the Ram. Why not? Uh, so the stalwart is... Uh... Supports uh, being a master of disguise, by the way, but I do have a negative one wisdom modifier, so I probably will try to disguise myself at one. As, as a ram. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the stalwart is, um, they're, they're a bit of a field medic type, but they also have been granted uh, mysterious powers and abilities through the, uh, through the words that have been inscribed on their body. Uh, so they don't, they don't have the armor of an auditor or anything like that, but they do have powers greater than those of a normal person, uh, like control over fire. That's pretty cool. Now, the three of your characters, uh, well, we're going to find out whether or not you've worked together and, and, and so on and so forth, because one of the things that we have to set up in a dungeon world game is bonds. Now, you've done all the stats, you've, you've chosen your gear, you've uh, customized your weapons if necessary, and so on, and picked your advanced moves, because we're starting at level three. But we now need to see how your characters get along together what they know about each other, how they feel about each other, and so on. So in each of the playbooks that you have there, there's a section called Bonds. And a bond is it's sort of like a Mad Lib. Uh, I've given you a sentence that describes your relationship to another character, and uh, there's a blank in it for that character's name. So uh, take a minute to look over your bonds and pick one for each of the other characters. So everyone has to... <laughs> making it sound like a horrible burden. Uh, everyone gets to... <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. Every, everyone gets to pick out a bond for uh, each other person in the party. <laughs> okay. totally contradict each other? We will see. Everyone has moments of weakness. And you can add these into your... Uh, you can add these into your play sheet on Roll20 as well. There's a bonds section. You can copy and paste okay. those in there. I'll do that for you, Dustin, because you're not on Roll20. Okay, yeah, I'm just in that Google Doc I shared with you. One of these I'm really tempted to do with Pat's character, but I know he'll take advantage of it and make it the worst idea possible. Well, that sounds good, though. <laughs> it does, so I'm going to do it. Okay. I did that we're all going to be to bully Trudy. I wasn't planning on bullying Trudy that much, to be perfectly it's, honest it's, with you. Okay. Real bullying, it's 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 game bullying. Like uh <laughs> like the last time uh in one of these things, I spent the entire game basically trying to get one of the other party members killed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This time because we're not in Gundams, but Okay. But I, I've chosen I've chosen my bonds. I have two. Okay. <laughs> have you put them into your sheets? Or have you put them in your sheet, Pat? Uh, I'm about to. Now, in the sheet, there's uh, space for extra details if you want to expand upon your bond, but you do not have to, so long as you've got the, the sentence first yet. We'll take a minute to talk about these once everyone has picked their Oh, I thought they were sheet. just going to come up randomly. <laughs> we wouldn't know each other's bonds. <laughs> we'll make it. Okay. I guess we'll take the sensible route. That's fine. <laughs> Which part of the character sheet are the bonds located? Uh, it's below alignment and above race. I see. Okay. Thank you. Hmm. Now, if you have more than one bond that you want to pick with another character, you can do that. But you need at least one bond and no oh more than... Oh, my God. If no. I pick... Oh, my God. There's such a good complimentary one. <laughs> you should go for it, then. <laughs> that wouldn't make much sense for Pat's character, but I like the way it might play out. 
<laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'm done. I'm not going to be the usual crew. <laughs> You're glad it's not the usual crew? He doesn't have to put up with this every week. Or oh, every yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little more mischief, probably, from his right. squad, especially Trudy. I know. She's a troublemaker. We both start right, with I've, TR. I've got my bonds in there. Okay. I'll just take a look. Okay. <laughs> of course, Pat. Of course. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, I guess we'll start with Pat this time. So tell us about Squall's bonds. First off, Squall's uh, bonds with Quanjoy. Uh, Quanjoy has stood by me in battle and can be trusted completely. Okay. That fits well. Huh? I will teach Zora the true meaning of sacrifice. That's ominous. Ramulus's misguided behavior endangers their very soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you have a bond with the, with the ram. The heroic battle ram that's what I have on my character. <laughs> the only heroic one of any of us. Well, Zora might be. I think Zora is probably yeah. heroic. Zora will try, but I think the rest of us will drag her down in a way that we can't with a, a ram's animal intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell us about Zora's bonds. Um, Quanjoy owes me their life, whether they admit it or not. Excellent. And uh, I worry about the ability of Old Wardy to survive in the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> that does play into if I can sidetrack for a second that does play into the bio I wrote for my character is that he suffered a traumatic brain injury ah. so that, that, that 100% fits <laughs> okay Okay. Uh, and let's hear about uh, Quanjoy's bonds okay so starting with Zora Zora is a friend of nature so I will be their friend as well Aww. and then uh, two about Squall Squall knows incriminating details about me, but also Squall and I have a con running. <laughs> God. I'm wondering what kind of con a... Did I really have a brain injury? Who knows? <laughs> yes. What kind of con a, a devout man of gov would be, would be running? It a could be game. playing off of... Although I feel like that's a dangerous rabbit hole to... Uh, riff on people with traumatic brain injuries too much so maybe we'll make the con have nothing to do with that i think the, I think the con is pizza game <laughs> no <laughs> that's awful so also in addition yeah, to that we, we did say no brain injury jokes so no pizza game okay <laughs> so in addition to that each of your characters has uh in the dungeon world playbooks they're originally called alignment and race i personally take issue with fantasy's obsession with calling different species races in particular with the whole uh, white supremacy issue in fantasy in general. But uh, I've taken that out and I've put in specialty. And uh, for alignment, we've got disposition, because it's not a traditional fantasy game. So I forgot to ask you about those before, but these do sort of play into the bonds, I think. So, uh, Quanjoy, what is your um, disposition and your specialty? Okay, so my disposition should be somewhere in this sheet. Before we get to that, my specialty is a shady scout. You are a professional. When you spout lore or discern realities about criminal or heretical activities, take plus one. Mm -hmm. And then, where the hell? Okay. Disposition. Selfless. Help an animal of the wild or a loyal traveler. Yeah. Yep. So this is sort of, this replaces the idea of traditional D&D style alignment of, you know, good, neutral, evil, and uh, lawful, mm -hmm. chaotic, and uh, the other one. Trudy, what's the other one? Evil? The other one. Um, <laughs> neutral, lawful, chaotic, evil, and good, right? 
Right, right. And yep. neutral, neutral, they just call true neutral. neutral yeah, true neutral. Yeah. That's the one. Okay. <laughs> neutral, neutral. Cool. What makes a man turn neutral? You'll double in. Zora, tell us about your disposition and your uh, specialty. Um, so Zora's specialty is infantry. That allows her once per battle to re-roll a single damage roll, either hers or an ally's. And then her, what is it called? Disposition. It? Disposition. I wanted to say temperament. Um, is selfless. Show strength tempered with mercy. So that kind of plays into her whole, these people can be redeemed sort of characteristic there. Absolutely. Uh, and Pat, tell us about old Wardy's disposition and specialty. I keep forgetting I gave him that nickname. So you guys keep saying old Wardy, and I'm like, oh, right, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he did. Specialty is that he is a zealot. When he prays for guidance, even for a moment, and asks, what here is heretical, oh, the God. GM will tell, you, will tell me, honestly. I knew you were going to pick that one. <laughs> I knew you were a character from Wildcats, so yeah. (laughs) And my disposition is that I am selfless. I will endanger myself to protect someone weaker than me. So we're all selfless, but we we have a con running. (laughs) It's 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 a victimless. Okay, that's that's a good library system or something. Is this like an actual victimless con, or is this like a victimless con in the way that they thought it was a victimless con in Office Space? I think we're going to find out okay. <laughs> as we move forward how well, victimless this con is. You'll have to you'll have to come up with that con because for the life of me, oh, I can't oh. figure out what it is. Okay, so Pat, it's that the RAM can do basic math. <laughs> so what are we <laughs> like? You know, to, we try to con people, people into like betting that the RAM can't you know do math, and then okay, so the bet is that they have to resort, recite like if they lose, they have to recite some. Uh, like religious verse from memory and if they win they get to hug the ram okay (laughs) and if they lose we send them to prison (laughs) well that i guess that argument will have to come up Uh, fortunately there are there aren't really prisons in this setting if you are in trouble you are sent to the church for re-education so you have to go to church if you yeah, no, so if, so if they lose, we take their money as an indulgence in classic church fashion. I think that might be too, too non-selfless. Uh, but if orphan. they if they lose, they if, have if, demonstrated if we're doing a Robin Hood con. That's pretty selfless. Well, I don't, I don't know that any people need their money more than any other people that we'll be dealing with. At least the common people, they all seem pretty destitute. Well, if someone is unable to recite part of the audits or the accounts, then that demonstrates they're insufficiently pious. So if you send them to the church for re-education, really, you are helping them out. Because, you know, if they if they learn the audits and the accounts better, that means they're better at paying off their soul debt. It's going to be the entire adventure is just us debating this con. It's going to be like walking down the road in character, talking about how to grift people. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, if it comes up, it comes up. All right. Just um, never fully explain what it is and just keep alluding to Referring to the con? Yes. Getting <laughs> to bigger and weirder details. What's I'm in the con? It. What's in the con? All right. What's the con? Uh, let's get started. Uh, the three of you have been summoned to City 3. Now, the uh, the domain of Gov is split up into seven sectors. Uh, sector 1 is the capital city Bodhi, and a few outlying areas that uh, support the capital city of Bodhi. And then each sector sort of radiates out from that like the spokes of a wheel into the desert and each sector has uh 
has a capital city and then about seven towns and then a bunch of villages and smaller settlements uh, sprinkled around there for you know to support each other and this is all boring world building stuff that you can read about on the Tumblr. So there's so, a big Midgar and then there are a bunch of baby Midgar. Yeah. So you are in City 3, which is the main city, the capital city in Sector 3. Uh, Sector 3 has been going through some difficult times recently because they, well, the, the governor messed up. The governor of Sector 3 is Denton Young, who you can see sitting across the table from you. He is the youngest governor in history. So he's already under a lot of pressure for that. People expect great things of him because he was first the youngest auditor in history, and then after that he became the youngest governor in history. And also, for some reason nobody quite understands, the sun will come to him. Now, you're, I don't know how familiar you are with, uh, with how the sun works in this setting. Uh, as, as someone whose character is supposed to know all of this inside and out, not very. <laughs> uh, so the, the sun is this big burning ball up in the sky but it doesn't behave like our sun it doesn't predictably move from you know east to west over the course of a day now, obviously the sun's not moving we're moving but whatever in this world the sun sort of goes where it wants and if it decides to stay somewhere for a while it stays whatever time it is until the sun moves again so if the sun goes somewhere and it's supposed to be nine o'clock and it's at its nine o'clock position and it's just like, I'm going to hang out here for a few hours, it's nine o'clock until the sun moves again. And then if the sun moves really quickly, then you can jump from nine o'clock to noon in like five minutes. So this causes a lot of issues and the sun doesn't have like a predictable track either. It moves to different parts of the sky seemingly at whim. And this is getting worse, but people don't talk about it. It's like uh, climate change. <laughs> So, so then, is there, you said that no one really knows why he has this power. What is the explanation he gives, if any? He doesn't, well, okay. People say he is beloved of the sun. So the sun in this setting, uh, the church tells us that the sun is the heart of Gov. It's the literal heart of their god uh, that they've placed in the sky to keep people warm and safe and to make plants grow and so on. A lot of Gov's body parts are different parts of the world in this setting. The sun is their heart. There are two moons in the night sky that are Gov's eyes, and Gov gave up their ribs to hold up the earth. Uh, so those are... Oh, and they, they use their bladder to make the waters. So all of these natural phenomena are explained away as things that Gov has put into the world from their own body. And it's part of why Gov's power is so diminished, and why humans owe such a great debt to Gov. Because they sacrifice so much to save us after the emergency. And uh, we refer to Gov as they because Gov is four different gods who merge into one. They have no defined gender or, or uh, anything like that. So they're just Gov or they. So the explanation for why the heart comes to Denton in his times of strife is because he is beloved of Gov. There is something about him that Gov prizes above all other people. So what did, uh, what did he do to screw up? Well, uh, that's... That's why you're here. So Denton, or his friends call him Den, but he doesn't he doesn't have any friends. friends. No, he doesn't have oh. it. He has one friend, and that friend has betrayed him. So Denton, uh, there's a lot of bad stuff about Denton's past. You will, as characters, your characters would know all this stuff about Denton. You know he's he was the youngest auditor. You know he was the youngest governor. You know that before he became an auditor, he actually reported his own father for heresy, 
and uh, was responsible for his hometown getting getting decimated, which means one in every ten adults is just killed as punishment for uh, harboring a heretic. So I think this guy's pretty cool. He's pretty hardcore. <laughs> he is like, seen I'm as. Like, uh, I, I knew Dr. Squall is going like you know this guy's like a nerd, but he gets results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's he's an incredibly devout man but he probably is not qualified to be where he is so what happened is that yeah his his childhood friend who apparently survived the purging of uh his hometown joined the group of heretics known as the excommunicated or the excom and there are a bunch of different factions within that and so she became a big deal. Her name is Lean Sosimo Yang because she was raised along with him after her own mother was taken away for heresy. She was added to Denton's family group. So they were sort of siblings slash best friends. So she, they, they went in slightly different directions in life. He is becoming one of the most powerful figures in the church. She is uh, heading up the resistance to the church. And she was protecting these four teenagers who five years ago, four years ago, sorry, four years ago, they touched one of the things that fell off the sun. And nobody's supposed to do that unless they're from the church. Because these things that fell off the sun are considered to be gifts from Gov. Even though when they hit the ground, it's like a nuke goes off, it's still considered a blessing. Uh, And three of these have fallen throughout uh, known history. And the most recent one was very small, but these teenagers got to it before the church and they took it. And the church has been trying to find them ever since. And recently, it was discovered that they were all hiding in Town 3-7, which is where the main game started. Uh, so they were discovered there. Denton led a raid and uh, the purge of that town. But things didn't go well. The uh, four teenagers and another kid as well, they all escaped the town somehow through mysterious means that nobody quite understands. Uh, in addition to that, and this is going into a little bit of spoilers, but uh, by the time this goes up, the people listening will have heard this episode already. Denton summoned the sun to come and burn down the town as part of the purge, but for some reason, somebody in the town sent the sun away. So it came to Denton, and then someone else just told it go away, and it did. So the purge of the town didn't really happen, and the people scattered and disappeared and melted into the wilderness or are in hiding in other settlements and communities. These five teenagers who have either taken or interacted with a splinter illegally in some way have disappeared, and his childhood friend and now rival, Lean, has also vanished into the wind. So this is a huge screw-up, and it's on him, because he's the governor here. So you know all this as characters. We're here to, like, execute him? (laughs) (laughs) No. Is there there really any... um you know, in-game explanation the church is giving as far as why the son did not listen to Dinten? They have not issued a statement on it yet. What's happened is that this is like a week after this has happened. Got it. So this, the church is still trying to decide what they want to say and how they want to say it. And obviously that's causing a lot of uh, stress and, and stuff for everybody involved. But you have been convened because essentially Denton is trying to fix things. So he has convened a hunt, which is when heretics go missing or there is a particularly vicious heretic attack at some point. A hunt is convened and an elite group of between two to four people is put together to hunt down whoever's causing the problem. And that's where the you three come in. So the governor is sitting across from you at the table and he says, 
And that's where you three come in. Character wakes up. <laughs> oh, no, I'm screwing. He's listening. <laughs> Good start. Good start. So I guess Quanjoy is going to ask the governor if we have any indication of where they might have headed or where they might, what their end goal might be. Well, uh, we can only assume that their end goal is to cause as much damage to our church as possible, uh, which, of course, you know, we cannot allow. As to where they've gone, it can't have been far. They didn't seem to have any cycles or carts with them. Uh, they weren't able to take any goats to pull them or anything to aid in their escape. So they are on foot, which will give you three an advantage. I have procured a goat cart for you. It's a six in hand, so it's quite fast. Uh, thank you for your generosity. Now, we, we do have one lead. This, make, this makes Squall lean forward in his chair really blatantly. So Denton raises his voice and he says, Carla, come in here. And uh, you hear the door behind you open, and a young woman who looks to be about 19 years old comes in. Uh, she has very short hair as if she had recently been punished. Uh, one of the punishments in this world is having your hair cut down. And uh, she's got... Wait a minute, my guy's bald. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's a it's a sort of if you are an if you're an auditor, your hair is shaved, and that's the mark of an auditor being completely bald. So your guy is maybe being a little presumptuous, but has perhaps really from your game. He thinks uh, he's an auditor. It's so cute. <laughs> uh, it's it's perhaps. No, no, no. Uh, I, I have what you can't see in my character token is I have my hair shaved into the word gov on the back of my head. <laughs> We got the symbol of Gov on the back of your head, this seven-pointed star. Yeah, and it's like a rat tail. Yeah. Uh, this, the, it's like a Padawan uh, rat tail. <laughs> like a really long rat tail. Oh, dear. trip over it all the time. It sucks. <laughs> so this uh, young woman comes in. She looks extremely nervous and um, twitchy. Like, she's looking around. Every unexpected noise, she sort of jumps a little bit. She looks like she's been through some stuff. She's not looking... Like she's mentally or emotionally okay. And, Zora's uh, gonna kind of offer her like an encouraging, reassuring smile. She fl- Zora a nasty look as soon as she flashes a smile. <laughs> Carla flinches back a little bit, but then sort of looks up at you uncertainly and and tries out a smile of her own, but it's very tremulous and it quickly falls off her face. And oh. Denton just makes a gesture at her and she she scurries around to stand next to him. Uh, so what's, what's going on? Um, who's this person, Governor? This is Carla Alwong. She comes to us from Town 3-7. Uh, hello, Carla. And she, she ducks her head at you, but, uh, doesn't say anything. She's got a book in her hands, and, uh, her hands are clearly shaking. And, uh, the Governor says, Carla is the one who reported the heresy in 3-7 to us. She was friends with one of the heretic leaders there, and knew Lean as well. In addition, four years ago, she witnessed the other youngsters who approached the Splinter. So if you've... For those of you listening at home, this is Carla, one of the four rival youths that was also trying to get to the Splinter, but were beaten to it and also beaten up by the main characters. And so uh, it appears she was the mole She's the one who reported Lean and the main characters to the church and caused the aborted purge of the town. Okay. So Den- Denton is explaining, essentially. Uh, so 
she will have some insights into how these people think and may be able to assist us in discovering where they have gone. Our agents have uh, spoken to her and interviewed her at length. A side note, they, they don't use torture in this setting, so if that's what you're worrying about, please don't. They know it's inefficient and they're all about efficiency. So when they say they've interviewed someone, they literally mean they have interviewed her. Okay. We have interviewed her at length, but perhaps more experienced trackers, such as yourselves, will have more luck getting useful information from her. So I am going to turn Carla over to your care. She will be coming with you on your hunt. And Carla sort of like, she's like, what? Uh, welcome aboard, Carla. I'm going to give a little nod to Zora as if to say uh, you should probably take the lead on this one because she'll feel a little bit more comfortable with you than uh, old Wardy or myself. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, running my rat tail through my hand, like, you know, silently furious that I'm having this, uh, this nervous weirdo thrust on the group. Zora, we're happy to have you along. If you're at all worried about us keeping you safe, we're more than qualified. I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm not. I'm sure you're... Uh, I'll be very safe. I'll be safe, yes. You'll be safe. Okay. I've never gone anywhere outside of my town in here. Well, we have traveled outside of here many, many times. Everything will be fine. I can reassure you. All right. Okay. So we run into bears or giant horses or alligators or any of that stuff. All the things that do not exist. <laughs> I'm pretty sure bears exist. It's not in this setting. What the hell do you not have bears? It's the, <laughs> no the, largest, bears. the largest land animals that exist here are goats and dogs. There's nothing bigger than that. Alligators? They're not land animals. Alligators exist, yes. Bears and horses okay. do not. Yeah. yeah, just throw them a bone, Matt. <laughs> It's possible that uh, it's possible that things like bears. Of us encountering some alligators. <laughs> some like very tiny bears. It's possible that bears and horses exist in things like myths and legends, but uh, no one's ever seen one in real life. A bear would be like this setting's Bigfoot. Okay, okay my guy is obsessed with bear sighting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Talk about uh, around the campfire. It's the myth so, of the bear. Uh, I'm going to look at Carla and say, you know, Carla, I'm an experienced seeker, scout, survivalist. I can survive anything in any conditions. So let me tell you, outside of this town, city, it's pretty much all the same. You're not going to have find too many surprises. Thank you, sir. I look at her and I just say, just remember, when you're with us, stay pious. Of course, of course. I Yes, of course. Then I point at my eyes and I point at her. She sort of... Um hunches down further and, and looks at the ground. Uh, oh, and, sorry, go uh, ahead, sorry. No, no, it's fine. The governor gives you a bit of a look and says, Carla has demonstrated her piety in reporting her own friends to us. It is unfortunate, he says, turning his... He has very intense golden eyes, and he turns them towards Carla and says, it is unfortunate that it took her so long to report them, but she did eventually do so. I nod because, see, I knew what was up. I'd like to ask Carla what sort of book she's holding and what sort of bearing that has on our uh, mission. Uh, all right. So she, she looks down at her book as if surprised to see it in her hands. And she sort of 
makes a move to put it back in her satchel and then changes her mind and keeps it out and she says uh this is just just a copy of the audits of the accounts that's just just my copy of it my, my parents gave it to me uh yes excellent we all need the audits and the accounts in our lives um <laughs> I, as, as quan joy says that so sarcastically i look down at the copy sitting in my lap <laughs> <laughs> all right so how about this, Carla? Let's get more acquainted and talk more on the way because time is wasting. Okay. And uh, the governor sort of looks at you and he says, on the way where, Quanjoy? We'll know once we start moving. That is the life of a seeker. Very well. I will trust in your capable abilities. The three of you may go with Gov's blessing. And then he sort of pauses. Thank you, governor. The four of you. Well, don't forget Ramulus. There's five. Of course. Five. Yes, of course. Excellent. And he sort of, he dismisses you and you're, you're free to leave the office. Okay. So is there somewhere maybe near this building that's just a little bit more relaxed we can hang out at for maybe five minutes to talk to Carla where she may be more forthcoming and less nervous because the governor is not there? Like, are there any nightclubs or anything? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could, you can spout lore about this city. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's a move. So if you want to find out about an area or something, you can you can spout lore. That's saying consulting your your knowledge about the world uh, and stuff around you. So if you want to make that move, then I will roll it for you. Does that use intelligence? It does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's let's do it. I, I I clicked the wrong thing and I spouted lore. So. <laughs> Uh, but you spouted lore extremely well. You got an 11. Okay. We can, uh, so clearly I know somewhere. Yeah. So there is I, definitely. I just start bossing the group around and leading us there. Uh, yeah. So let's say that you're essentially, you're going to go to uh, a local shrine that you know of. This city has got multiple shrines and then a big actual temple church in the center. This, you are in the big temple church right now. That's where the governor's mansion is, is in back of that. But uh, okay. you know of a, of a more quiet, sort of uh, comfortable one that you have been to many times before uh, on your visits to this city. Does Squall operate primarily in Sector 3, or has he been to different sectors in his life? He has moved from sector to sector as people get sick of him. Okay. <laughs> Re- he's been gently reassigned multiple times. Okay. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like... We're promoting you to go work in Sector 3. Right. So you maybe started down at Sector 6, and you've been, quote-unquote, promoted three times. Slums of Sector 7. Sector um, 7 is is the least good sector. That's where I started. Um, and uh, when the giant plate fell on it, uh, due to avalanche. Yeah, due to an uh, avalanche, yes. That, that is when I relocated to 6 and moved my way up sequentially to 3. Okay. Perfect. Don't mind me, uh, I'm just frantically looking for a map of a church. <laughs> it never even occurred to Zora that she might be afraid of the governor, because, my god, the governor is such a good man. He is yeah. exceedingly <laughs> pious. Years old. So be scared of a tiny baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how boy. old is he? You said that he's the youngest, but I mean, how young is young? He's about 30. Okay. Oh, okay. But he's yeah. been... He's not quite Dude, a child. I assumed he was like 17. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I assumed, too. <laughs> he, he's about 30, but he has been governor since he was... Or he has been governor for five years. Okay. So, uh, yeah. yeah. 
It's like it's like a, you can sort of imagine him being like a one of those tech bros who's like gotten far too successful far too quickly and doesn't really know what they're doing. But he's Poor trying. Poor kid. Yeah. And he did also kill a lot of people, so he's not it's like those tech bros. Yeah. <laughs> the the raw water really worked out well. All right. So are we at that uh, shrine? Yeah, uh, every single church map I found is like blood splattered, but oh, there you go. <laughs> just put one up and say, you know, there was just like a big like jam party. <laughs> oh, yeah, jam parties. Okay, so there you go. It's just a random church map I found. You're on it now. Fantastic. So this wow. is it's a smaller shrine. Uh, I think sort of like a chapel type thing. I don't I don't actually know what shrines look like in this setting. I've never done an interior. Who wants to tell me what a shrine looks like? in a theocratic bureaucracy. So I'm kind of imagining it looks something like a one-room schoolhouse from the 1800s Midwest, Western America, maybe just open room benches, a couple tables, an altar, a raised platform for speaking, and then maybe an office and a restroom in the back. Okay. Yeah. And in a theocratic bureaucracy, I would assume that it's like going to a Starbucks. Like it's the same layout, everyone kind of uh, yeah. uh, furniture, the same fixtures. Yeah, it would absolutely be standardized. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, you, so... know, you, you don't get a lot of like personal flavor in the religious artifacts that you would in say a real world religious shrine. No, where not... each one has different relics or anything. These are like the mass produced hands of saints and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're inside this. It's fairly down the wall. It's fairly sterile. There's usual art on the wall of Gov and also the four different old gods who made up Gov. You've got Gashram, Ongjuo, Veliko, and Iterar are the four gods who became Gov by joining together to merge their power and stop the emergency uh, 264 years ago. And, you know, there's just like not stained glass because that would be seen as sort of frivolous, but definitely mosaic style stuff. I'm thinking like an art deco type look to the art. And one of the things that uh, is is part of the culture here is everything is very brightly colored. So just imagine like rainbow hues everywhere, bright, bright colors, like early to mid '90s youth fashion style. Wow. Yeah, that's the look that we're into we're it. going for. I'm so into it. The Church of Hammer Pants. Gotcha. <laughs> Squall is wearing. <laughs> Squall's wearing hammer pants. Of like a bit, he's wearing like a big like tunic. But underneath, he's got like hammer pants. <laughs> uh, excellent. <laughs> so as you as you come in, you see that the clerk, uh, the lo- sorry, uh, this would be a notary. You see that the local notary for this shrine is in their office at the back, uh, and they sort of stand up and they be like, uh, "Excuse me, we're currently cl- oh oh oh, it's you." The notary says, uh, and they bow deeply to Squall, the stalwart. They say, "Please, please come in." And the notary begins sort of shooing people out of the main area. Please uh, take whatever you need, sir. I just, you know, I'm I'm pretty chill about this. I, you know, this stuff happens to me pretty often. Yeah. But uh, I I just ask him if we can have some privacy to discuss a mission for the governor. Of course, of a course. A secret mission. Oh, yes, of course. Please, please. And then the uh, the notary, they're sort of bowing as they back out the front door, and they like. Like, they actually leave the shrine, and it's now completely empty, except for the four of you. Fantastic. Then I look at the ram and tell him not to steal anything. <laughs> oh, sorry, the five of you. Thank you. 
Thank you. So I'm going to ask Carla. Uh, the governor said that she might know how they think and what they're thinking, and that may lead us in the right direction or in a direction. Mm-hmm. So Carla, tell me about how they think and what they might be thinking other than causing mass scale destruction and harm to church. Uh, well, I know that that woman, Isabel, sorry, I, I know her real name is Lean, but I knew her all my life as Isabel. She was the apothecary in our town. I, I know that she somehow, uh, she corrupted my good friend, Esme, uh, after the incident with the splinter. The four of us, it was, uh, it was, it was me and it was Topher and Rosemary and Esme. The four of us, we, we saw the splinter fall four years ago. It blew up the, the hill outside our village. Uh, sorry, our town. And she's very clearly nervous, and that's not just me completely always forgetting what the difference is between a town and a village. Uh, I'm glad you've clarified that. <laughs> town is bigger than a village. you got to remember that. Okay. Uh, and, and we thought it might be fun to go and go and look at it before the church got there. Uh, so we climbed over the walls, but when we did, we saw four other kids were doing the same thing. It was, well, you, you know who it is. It's the ones you're looking for. Uh, we were we were both trying to get over to see the splinter, but they came and they they attacked us viciously, and we had a we had a fight, but they beat us up pretty badly. So we had to go back to the town. But I always knew they were trouble. But anyway, I I was going to go and tell I was going to go and tell the notary right away that I had seen them go and touch the splinter. But uh, Esme and Topher told me that I shouldn't do it, and that. Uh, if I told the notary that we had gone outside, that we would be punished too. So I just had to keep my mouth shut. And so I decided I would just keep my mouth shut. You can tell that she's rambling, but she's... And then uh, after that, uh, Hector the blacksmith, he's very scary, very, very tall. Hector the blacksmith. And yeah, Isabel... Yeah, you... uh, and Isabel, Aline, I'm sorry. They came and they told us that if we told anyone about what had happened, if we told anyone, even the auditors that were coming to investigate, if we told anyone, they'd have hurt us really badly. So I kept my mouth shut. I didn't say anything, even when they were investigating the town. I didn't say anything, because I didn't want to die. I didn't want Hector to hurt me. He's very big. I mean, he's, lar he's a very big man. So I didn't say anything. But I, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. And Esme was spending more and more time with Lean and Hector and, and was just becoming worse and worse and saying more and more heretical things. And so I just, I wanted to save Esme. So I, I told the notary, I told the notary that those four kids had touched the splinter. I told her, and then they came and the town was on fire and the auditors were killing everyone. And, oh, guff, oh, okay. I saw the, oh boy. And she's sort of, she's, she's breaking down and starting to shake and sob a little bit as she remembers the sort of scenes of, uh, of the auditors coming in to begin the purge. Uh, will approach and kind of hold out her, her hand like, are you okay? I would touch your shoulder, but I'm not sure that that would be, you know, entering your personal boundaries. And then she says, Carla, what you did was very brave. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, she says. And she, she sort of, she's hiccuping and, and sort of sobbing a bit, but she's, she's calming down. I don't, I don't really know what happened, but the sun came, and then there was a fight, and the sun went away, and when the sun was gone, the, the church left, and everybody left the town, and I I tried to find the notary, and the notary took me to the governor, and that's that's all I, that's all I really know. 
I just, I'm not sure, she says. I can't, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was important, that maybe there was some hint, but I'm just, it's so much was happening. Okay, so I want to try a real talk on her. Okay. And roll plus charisma. So what are you, what are you saying to her? Like, what are you, how are you approaching this? Like, don't tell me the move names. Tell me what you're approaching, and then we'll figure out the move from there. So I'm just going to say, Carla, Take your time. I know you saw some things that most people never see. And even in Gov's infinite wisdom and the church's infallibility, those things are hard for humans to reconcile. It's it's tough to remember those things. And in remembering those things, you sometimes forget those small details, which may seem unimportant. But how can I get you to remember the last time you saw those five, which way they were headed, and what their purpose might have been. Okay. So I've rolled your real talk, and you rolled an 11, which is exceptionally good. Okay. So you can ask me that question, how can I get you to remember useful detail? And um, so she will answer it truthfully, and then she'll ask you a question from the list, and you have to answer that truthfully as well. That's how this works. So she... She sort of calms as you're like as you're you're standing there speaking so calmly to her. She's like thinking and she's thinking back. She says, "Okay, so last time I spoke to Hector and Isabelle, she's clearly having a tough time thinking of of Isabel as lean because that that's how she knew her her whole life. And last sure. time I spoke to them, they I had to get a poultice for my goat and." I was just leaving the shop and Lean was speaking to Esme and Hector as I was going. I didn't I didn't mean to overhear. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. I know that that's not a good thing to but I overheard them mention a village and it was Matt, is they this mentioned. a village or a town? <laughs> no, this this time it's an actual village. She's like it was a village in our sector. It was it wasn't too far from our town. It was village 3 Right, 321. She said something about Village 321, but that's all I heard. I think that's a place as as good as any to start. And Carla, is, she's sort of looking at you, Quan Joy, and, and she says to you, what is it that I can do for you that will help you out there? You know, I'm, I'm just a baker. I make bread. I make, you know, cakes. What, what do you wish I would do to help you out? Uh, Carla, all I want from you is to continue being yourself be as brave as you can but know that you'll be scared sometimes and we probably will be too just be yourself and do your best and that's all i can ask from and that is truthful okay he says okay i'll do my best excellent uh, so what do you want to do now let's get that goat cart and get to village 321 what say you trudy and pat i say i say let's do it yeah that works okay okay so you leave the shrine and the notary has been sort of standing outside, uh, wringing their hands. And they're like, oh, uh, was everything to your, to your liking, sir? Did you get what you needed? Speaking to uh, Squall. Again, I say, that was great. Thanks. The notary uh, nods and bows and uh, heads back into the shrine and people start filtering back in as well. Uh, you know, the people who work there, a couple of worshippers, some folks dropping by to, you know, Make pick sure up they their... saw the hug so that this guy gets like the bump from being okay. associated with me. Yeah, you, you can <laughs> you can see in the eyes of the people you're passing uh, their awe not only of you but now they're they're more impressed with this notary than they were before. They're like, "Wow. They know the stalwart. Wow." 
Do you see that? They hug the stuff. Wow. <laughs> this this shrine will probably get it. Like this is part of the con. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this shrine will uh, will definitely get a boost in future. So in other words, we can't use it as our secret place for talking to people anymore. I mean, but we can. I can still come in and say, get the fuck out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The auditor will, will probably likely still uh, be auditor. The notary will be still very happy to help you out in, uh, in any way that's necessary uh, following this. Good. Fantastic. So you now have to travel across. Ride. Yeah. I, I just want to say on our go-kart ride, I'm going to make Carla read from the book of audits and accounts with me. <laughs> yeah, okay. down. Like, like this is, you know, like, like, like doing like a Bible read almost to try and just get her sitting there and, you know, flipping out the entire ride. Yeah, of course. Is this an oral Bible reading or is it a silent Bible reading? Oh, we're, we're reading out loud together. Oh, good. Uh, Zora will listen in. <laughs> uh, so while um, you're doing this, uh, there's a move for this because you have to go across the desert and it's not... There are many reasons why the church builds walls around all their settlements and why they prohibit freedom of movement outside of special cases. So it is dangerous to cross the desert from one town to another. Like it's not a safe thing to do, which is why most people don't. So there's a... Crocodiles. Yeah, well, those sand crocs. So there's a move for this that we have. It's called uh, Undertake a Perilous Journey. Okay. So when you undertake a perilous journey through hostile or dangerous territory, you choose one member of the party to act as a trailblazer, one to scout ahead, and one to be the quartermaster. And you can't share the jobs, uh, and, and uh, one person can't have more than one job. And each I one imagine of... I'd be the trailblazer, right? Yeah. What are, the, uh, what are the jobs reliant on? Like, what stats? Where did I put this? <laughs> Oh, every job is plus wisdom. They're all wisdom based. Oh, jeez, that's not oh. good. We're not oh. a very wise group. Oh, we're dumbasses. <laughs> so uh, no, we we are a wise group. We're just not a smart group. We're we're, <laughs> we're street wise. But actually, no. I I am a smart guy, but I have I have I'm all wisdom. So I'll take the trailblazing. That seems natural and in character anyway. For uh, the seeker. So basically, um. The trailblazer's job is to clear things out of the immediate path, like a trailblazer, and make sure that the path ahead is safe. The scout mm -hmm. goes ahead to find the best route and make sure that there are no, like, ambushes oh, or, or pits or things like that. Yeah. I'll be the scout then. Okay. And the, I, quarter, I the quartermaster's job is to make sure that there's enough food for everyone. One of you should be able to handle that. Uh, yeah, I'll do. I'll do the quartermaster. I say as I stuff a bagel into my mouth hole. <laughs> and it makes sense somewhat for Zora to be the trailblazer. She has a sword. She can cut through vegetation and animals and things like that. Yeah. Even yeah. Animals all recognize her sword. Yes. <laughs> so see a but bird. She's like... also a friend to all animals. As yeah. the bond. You see a bird being like tweet 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 with subtitles. <gasps> it's the sword. <laughs> all right i just need yep. to check here yeah she is a friend to nature also in being the quartermaster i guess that means i'm also like keeping an eye on carla because she's not doing anything yeah oh is she wise we could get her to <laughs> <laughs> she she's... Carla, what's your wisdom score <laughs> <laughs> i think uh carla should be the scout for sure no <laughs> uh, all right so the Undertake a Perilous Journey move is not on your sheets for some reason. 
so I think if you just go into your character sheet and you click on the big number in the wiz, the big number under wiz, it will roll wisdom for you. I just rolled it. Okay, you got an eight. That's a partial success. Fantastic. And Squall <laughs> got a, no success. <laughs> Squall got a nine, nine, which is also partial success. That's, a, that's like, oh, that's as good as it gets for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't roll. I'm sorry. Right. Man. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Uh, let me get that. Uh, <laughs> despite having the highest wisdom, you rolled a seven. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Uh, which is still <laughs> all three of you got a partial success. <laughs> So We're all a little is, good at our this jobs. Is, this is new. This is the one thing I should be good at. <laughs> but nope. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, distracted by trying to figure out where to con next. Yeah. <laughs> Just distracted by the con. So none of you failed, which is the good news. Basically, if you get a 10 plus on these rolls, it just means you do things better. Like it takes fewer rations or you get there faster or um, any trouble the scout finds, you can get the drop on the trouble instead. But in this case, it just means that it takes as long as you think it's going to take. Uh, so it takes you two days to get to the town, which means that you all need to take up two uses of your uh, trail rations under your gear. So you're down yeah. to, I think, three uses. Just You can just remember you're down to three uses of trail rations. Huh? Uh, and it takes you two days to get there. So the time is no faster. Okay. And you, uh, Quanjoy, as you are scouting ahead, you find a group of feral cats. Okay. Uh, they're sort of like like they're they're not house cats. These are like bobcat, lynx type cats uh, okay, that you sure. find out in the desert. And so you sort of you are like uh, sort of slouching or sneaking through the desert in the sand. You've got your your cloak on that keeps you mostly invisible. And you get to the edge of a dune. And as you look up over the edge of a dune. Like a bobcat is also looking up over the edge of the dune right in front of you at the same time. Okay. And so you sort of you make eye contact with this cat, and you both sort of stare at each other. What what happens here? Well, the thing about Quanjoy is that he generally gets the first attack in. That's just the thing about him, especially when he is in this gross parody of nature. That we have. So um, I guess I'm just going to try to ascertain if the bobcat is indeed going to attack. And if it is, I guess I got to pick it up. Okay. <laughs> so you are looking at the bobcat and that means we should do a discern realities here. Okay. So I'm going to make that roll for you. All right. You roll the 13, which wow. is uh, astonishingly high. So you can ask me three questions from the discern realities list. Uh, do you have that list, or do you want me to read you the questions? I definitely do not have that list. Up. Okay. Uh, oh, it's on that uh, PDF I sent you, but I'll read you the questions here. What happened here recently? What is about to happen? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who's really in control here? What here is not what it appears to be? Uh, you can uh, ask okay. me three I of the to... questions. You don't I have to ask to me three. Up... Okay, I need to pull up that PDF, because my okay. brain is just garbage. <laughs> so you can ask me up to three of those questions and uh, you get a plus one forward when you act on the answers to those questions okay give me i'm so sorry no problem okay what is about to happen what is about to happen most likely this bobcat is going to run away because you've startled it okay who's really in control here uh gov <laughs> okay no that's Perfect. a bad that's a bad answer you are in control because you are larger than the bobcat, and uh, the bobcat recognizes humans as a threat. 
Okay. And what should I be on the lookout for? You know from experience that out here in the desert, these sort of mid-sized cats usually travel in groups, which is unlike house cat behavior, but these are these are wild cats and they sort of band together, so they're are probably more nearby. Okay, so what I am going to do to the best of my ability is let this kitty scamper on and then as best I can uh camouflage myself and wait it out. Okay. So you've got you've got a special move for camouflage. So once the cat is gone and you, you see it scamper off, you're sort of tracking the direction in which it goes and you're mm-hmm. able to make out a few other cat forms uh, off in that direction. They're sort of huddled under some brush, some scrubby okay. like uh you know, desert vegetation. So once you're camouflaged, you can watch them as they sort of congregate and they mill around for a bit and they seem to just be hanging out in that area. That seems to be their their little All right desert bodega so we can just plan an alternate path that may take us a few more minutes yeah you can you can go around them yeah let's just go around them okay so you go around them and then the rest of the trip passes essentially without incident and uh you make your way to the town to which you are headed if there's anything else you want to like how's it how's it going with your reading with carla squall both of us uh are losing we're losing our voices <laughs> like wild eyed. I mean, it is it's some like messed up stuff. Okay. But Carla is oddly enough, and perhaps despite what you were intending, Carla is feeling comforted by this, by this attention Comforter. being paid to her by such a powerful and devout personage. It is giving her I'm I'm just trying to like max out her faith level so she doesn't screw all any of this up. No, that's that's what's <laughs> happening here. Uh, she's she's feeling bolstered by your by by you and this reading. Okay, we all when Eddie Murphy talks to <laughs> Rat Tail Eddie Murphy. Rat Tail Padawan Eddie Murphy, <laughs> <laughs> the symbol for like a super god in the back of his head. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, so you uh, you roll into town three tw- or village three twenty one about. Normally it would be 10 o'clock, but the sun is still hanging out at 9 o'clock, so it's technically still 9 o'clock, though it should be 10 when you arrive. And I'm resetting my watch as we arrive. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do this like every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, so you roll into the town uh, on your goat cart, and you can see the business of daily life is it's on a bit of a pause because the sun is stuck, and people have already done all their 9 o'clock chores, and they're like, well... We can't do 10 o'clock stuff until it's 10 o'clock. That would be ridiculous. So they're... <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. It would be heretical, too. I'm glad we're not rolling up on them doing that. No, they're <laughs> uh, they are behaving as you would expect people to during a, during a brief sunstall like this. So as you arrive, people are sort of just mingling about, chatting, not doing anything particularly exciting. So this is a, a fairly small village. But you can see to the north, all the villages, again, are laid out in a standard way. So this is basically what a village will look like. You got to the north of you at the edge of town, there is what's called a quad. This is where people get to raise raise children. So it's a communal living situation. There's four sides to it, and there's usually four children being raised in a quad at a time by anywhere from 8 to 60 adults, depending on the size of each parent group. Uh, right now, you can see that there is... a you can hear a couple kids playing 
in the courtyard of the quad. The quad is also surrounded by uh, gardening and green stuff. It's a nice place to live, which is one of the reasons people are eager to become parents in this setting, is that quads are really nice to live in. Uh, straight ahead of you is the uh, sort of middle-class type housing, and further past that you have the really nice houses that the merchants live. And in the middle of all that is the local shrine, where the notary should be hanging out. To the south you have shops, and then you have the fields for food and the grazing fields for livestock. Okay. So how how well known or recognized would we be out here if we wanted to not be spotted as people of importance here and draw attention to ourselves? Is that at all possible? If for some reason you wanted that, you would probably have to disguise yourself to some degree. Oh, Pat, it's yeah, a like... moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... That would be something Zora would suggest, uh, just by virtue of, hey, the last thing we need to need is the enemy to think that, or to know that we're we're here. Okay. Is there anything we can really use to disguise ourselves? Your clothes, give them to me. <laughs> Are we all swapping there... clothes. <laughs> just switch clothes. <laughs> Calling each other, so the disguises are pretty much useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, if you want to craft disguises out of the materials in your, say, your adventuring kit or just in the in the goat cart that you're riding on, you're going to need somebody to make a Defy Danger with Charisma roll. So you're just rolling your Charisma or doing Defy Danger with Charisma. If there's more than one person working on it, you can use Aid or Interfere to help each other out. Uh, Trudy, how about you? make Carla make all the disguises? Oh, no. <laughs> Car I mean, Carla's help. a baker and she has no... Wait, what if what if she makes bakes us like cake faces? <laughs> <laughs> like a cake boss or an ace of cakes? If like a real when you like head to wear around your head, when you ask her to bake you a a, a cake head, she sort of is like, I I suppose I I could if I had access to an oven, uh, okay. but I I don't. <laughs> so, Zora kind of is just like my God, these people. So, Zora, how about you take the lead on this, and I will offer aid, since I believe we both have okay charisma? Yeah. So, do I roll defy danger, and he rolls aid, or do we both roll aid, or...? I roll... So, I'm gonna get... Uh, I'm gonna do uh, an aid or interfere roll for Quan Joy. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So, when you help her enter someone you have a bond with... Alright, you have a bond with... Z you have one bond with Zora, so that's a six. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in attempting to help, you are <laughs> you are not successful in attempting to help. So you're you're not actively hindering Zora's efforts, but you're like, oh, you know, can you can you use this or can you use that? And right. like the things you're offering her are not useful at all. I'm just being an annoying. So let me let me jump in and try to save this one. You want to roll your aid or interfere? Okay, go for it. <laughs> Yes. Okay, and I didn't okay. do much better. <laughs> so we're both just like micromanaging her in different directions. <laughs> but your your help is enough to give her a plus one. But you're better at micromanaging, church guy. I'm, I'm suggesting less heretical things to wear. <laughs> so we can't do that because then they would think they would try to burn us. <laughs> All right, um, so that means that you are able to help her out, but if anything goes wrong on her roll, you are, you're going to get hit with the effects of that as well. So Zora... Also bad for fashion decisions, so... <laughs> <laughs> All 
Okay, so Zora, you can roll your Charisma Defy Danger and take a plus one on that. I've got the fear. Uh, so Charisma. Oh, did you I'm add your? Surprised. Did you add no, a plus the one? one didn't... So it's a ten. It's a ten. All right, good. So that means that you've uh, you've fully succeeded. So tell me about these disguises you've made. Oh God. <laughs> Basically, as soon as they came into town, Zora probably looked at these people and was like, let's try and make something that looks sort of like what these guys are, are wearing. So whatever the townspeople are wearing, she's trying to kind of cobble together something similar. Okay. You, you know, given her limited resources. So they probably look like hobos. Yeah, so you, you basically, you're just sort of like dirtying stuff up a bit and, you know, putting cloaks on over... Your your regular outfits. Are we trying to like look like migrant farmhands or something? Those would not exist. You would probably be trying to disguise yourself as a trade caravan. Huh? Uh, roving bakers. <laughs> We're a band of roving bakers. <laughs> because uh, the only people who travel between towns are merchants and traders and people who work for the church. So and heretics. And heretics, yeah. Uh, so presumably you you are trying not to look like people who work for the church. So by default, yep. merchants are traders. Okay. So you're, yeah. So in in that case, you're able to make your clothes look pretty decent, and uh, you sort of you are able to hide Ramulus's distinctive markings that uh, would would uh, indicate that he is the Seeker's companion. Okay. Uh, so are we like giving him a little hat? <laughs> sure. I mean, there there is canonically no in this wearing little hats. There is canonically in this game world a goat with an eye patch. So why not? fantastic so i would like to ask while since we're kind of seeing how this town is laid out basically is it the workers the middle class people or the parents who's more likely to be a narc and turn someone into the church just in general of these classes of people since he would know this that sounds like a uh spout lore for squall lore it is on my, I'm on my laptop, laptop, so it's like I keep having to bring the screen back up to. You can um, you can pop out uh, your character sheet, so it's in a separate window. Okay. Yeah, there's a, a little thing. Oh wow! Yeah, it's in the top left. It looks like two boxes. I rolled a 14 on Spout Lore. All um, right. So I I know exactly what <laughs> to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you are from your vast experience as as a stalwart and investigating uh, heretics and stuff. You know that obviously your first point of contact would be the local notary because they are the one presumably most loyal to the church. And beyond that, you would basically work your way down the social ladder uh, because the people who have more power and influence are more likely to want to maintain the system that gives them that power and influence. So you'd you'd start with the local religious leader, the notary, and then you'd move down to merchants. Then uh, you'd move down to uh, masters, people who are retired but now train new people, and then from there down to the working class. And uh, parents uh, would likely be up there with merchants because they are like they have a lot to lose. Okay. Yeah. So all that, but in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, for some reason, I kind of feel like we should maybe start at the bottom instead of at the top. We may waste less time that way. What do you guys think about it? I mean, I do kind of see if, you know, considering we're looking for people who are going to be trying to lay low as well, mm -hmm. presumably, 
it might make more sense. I don't think like these guys are going to go hang out with them. I don't either. And we're we're doing our best to look like we're not affiliated with the church at the moment. So the no, oh, it's, probably it's not. Point, the I right should place. notice. I should note something that I went over with Matt. I do have a giant gov tattoo on my chest. Well, hopefully you're not gonna strip hopefully. for anyone. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Zora's uh, costumes include shirts. Uh, I would hope so. <laughs> Uh, tattoos are fairly common in this setting as well, um, but it would be unlikely to have either the word gov or the symbol of gov tattooed large across your chest unless you were working for the church. It's like the big Iron Fist design to get my powers right. from. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> I was immediately going to be like, yeah. <laughs> All right. So does Pat have a shirt? Yes, he would have a shirt. Okay, good. <laughs>